This is Don Frederico. As I begin planning the next season of Higher Callings, I've decided to post an excerpt from my very first episode. My guest was David Hoffman, founder of the mediation firm, the Boston Law Collaborative. After clerking for Justice Stephen Breyer when Justice Breyer was still a judge on the First Circuit Court of Appeals, David joined the venerable Boston law firm, Hill and Barlow. This month marks the 20th anniversary of that firm's decision to dissolve, a decision that sent shockwaves through the Boston legal community and epitomized the seismic shift in private law practice from being thought of primarily as a profession to fundamentally a business. When I interviewed David in 2021, we spent a few minutes talking about the legacy of Hill and Barlow and some of the great lawyers who began their careers there. The following is a brief excerpt from that part of our conversation. You can find David's written tribute to his former firm on his blog at the Boston Law Collaborative website. Now, from there you went into private practice. And um, I'm sure coming out of that clerkship and with your academic credentials, you could have chosen from any large number of law firms in Boston. You decided to stay in Boston after law school, obviously. Um, why Hill and Barlow? What drove you to that firm in particular? Uh, Hill and Barlow was uh, not the biggest firm in Boston. I think it was number 10 approximately in terms of size. But in terms of stature, it was a notable firm because it had uh, several former governors, Dukakis, uh, Weld, um, and uh, later uh, Deval Patrick. Right. Um, and um, we all, when I arrived at the firm, one of the partners, Mike Greco, was head of the Mass Bar Association. Another partner, Dick Renan, was head of the Boston Bar Association. Many of the partners uh, taught in law schools, uh, did a lot of public service work of various kinds. Um, and so I had some wonderful mentors. But the, I think the, the two biggest factors for me, aside from good quality work and good quality uh, uh, training, uh, the two biggest factors were number one, they permit uh, pro bono work. And I did a I represented a guy on death row in Louisiana. I did some ACLU cases. The firm was very proud of its pro bono work. The pro bono hours we spent counted toward our billable hours, uh, which I thought was a commendable uh, policy. The second reason was uh, it's a firm, it was a firm, died in the year 2002. Um, the, uh, the firm was very supportive of people having a life outside of the office. After I received an offer from Helen Barlow, I said, well, before I accept the offer, can I come back for a second round of interviews with the associates? The first round of interviews was with the partners. But I said, I want to talk with the associates. And they said, sure. So I set up some interviews. And one of the questions I asked was, what's the divorce rate at Hill and Barlow? <laughs> and I was told that it was very low. Um, That's a good sign. Yeah, and that was, uh, I thought that was an important metric. Yeah. Uh, and I asked about whether the firm was serious about, you know, the commitment to pro bono. They said, absolutely. And they said, in addition, the firm supports associates uh, who do not want to work on a specific case because they have moral compunctions. 
our firm represented a, an accused uh, Nazi who was uh, fighting extradition from the United States, and there was very sound, there was very strong evidence that he is, was uh, was part of the Nazi uh, regime, and uh, I was not going to be able to represent such a person, uh, having lost family members in the Holocaust. Uh, and there were some other cases as well that I uh, said to the firm uh, once I was there that I was not uh, willing to work on. And uh, and that was fine. I became a partner. You know, it didn't it wasn't held against me in any way. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, the firm had high ethical standards and uh, supported its associates uh, in ways that I thought were uh, impressive. They also had just excellent lawyers. And I'll just mention this very quickly. But I know when I was clerking for Judge Toro, there was a trial uh, that Gail Mahoney had tried, who was a partner at Hill and Barlow. And um, Judge Toro thought he was the best trial lawyer in Boston. And then years later, um, I worked with a more senior trial lawyer in Boston at one of my law firms. And uh, the firm ended up hiring Dick Renahan to represent the firm in a case against it. And this partner that I worked with who knew Dick pretty well and had seen him try cases may have been on the other side of a case from him, always said Dick Renahan, in his view, was the best trial lawyer in Boston. So you had very high quality lawyers as well as people with enormously high ethical standards. It was really sad when the firm dissolved, um, but I know a number of those people ended up at other good firms and uh, you know, I, things worked out for them. and they brought whatever qualities they had to the firms that they joined. So that was a good thing. So um, I'll just say, why, to, oh, go uh, ahead. Why, before you tee up your next question, I would say I, I had the good fortune of being a junior lawyer uh, working under Gail Mahoney and Dick Renahan uh, on, on cases. And I completely agree with the assessment that you just described. They were both you know, absolutely extraordinary, uh, uh, gifted uh, advocates. And uh, Dick always uh, prided himself on being hired by the other side in subsequent cases because he was a true gentleman. And so was, so was Gail. I, I didn't to... know Gail Mahoney well, but Dick, I got to know, you know, partly because of the case where he was representing the firm I was with, but also, um, I, I was a much later successor to him as president of the Boston Bar Association. And so I would see him at dinners on an annual basis. He would send me, I was on his list for Christmas cards. Um, and uh, just what a wonderful man he was. And, and he passed away a few years ago, unfortunately, but he kept practicing law into his seventies until I think he just couldn't do it anymore uh, physically. Yeah. And, and, and Gail did too. Gail's father was a trial lawyer and Gail always said, well, dad died with his boots on. And uh, uh, Gail uh, and, and Dick both uh, did the same. There was a time when the judge I clerked for, Toro, um, was, uh, there was a mandamus petition, I think, in a, one of the cases he handled and he decided he wanted to be represented in the mandamus proceeding, and he hired Gail Mahoney to be his lawyer. I don't yeah. remember the details. It was a long time ago. Um, 
Before you leave the subject, Colin Barlow, I just want to mention two other mentors who were important to me. Sure. Uh, one was uh, Nani Burns, who went on to support. Oh, yeah. And she was one of the leading partners at, at Hill and Barlow and one of my mentors. I had the good fortune of working with her on cases. And uh, she was a very strong advocate for gender justice, not only at Hill and Barlow, but in the world. And Reg Lindsay, who was also one of my mentors, who also who became a judge, he was a federal district court judge, um, and uh, sadly has passed on, uh, an African-American judge who also uh, spent his adult years, uh, most of them in a wheelchair, and so was an advocate not only for the rights of people of color, but also people with disabilities. Right. And uh, uh, those two were very important shaping influences for me, and they're both superior, you know, terrific lawyers.